Womanjika, haramai. Welcome to Voices of Regen, which is a space for unapologetically bold conversations about regenerative business. Ko Claire Wild, toka ingoa. My name is Claire Wild, and today we're on to our fourth episode in the Earthshot series, which is highlighting and celebrating the Earthshot Prize. Uh, now, the Earthshot Prize is centered around five Earthshots, which are simple but ambitious goals for our planet. And if we achieve these goals, then um, this will improve life for us all and also for generations to come. So if you'd like to know more about the Earthshot Prize, then we've got a whole podcast which explains, um, sorry, a whole podcast episode which explains what it is and why we're excited about it at Voices of Regen. Um, so we'll pop that in the show notes and go back and listen to that if you're wondering about the context of this episode. Now, today on this episode, we're exploring the Earthshot that's called Protect and Restore Nature. So this Earthshot states that by 2030, we will choose to ensure that for the first time in human history, the natural world is growing, not shrinking on our planet. And with this in mind, today we'll be spotlighting one of Regeneration Project's initiatives, which is called the Fire Circle. Um, now, the Fire Circle is contributing to this Earthshot in a really cool way. And I'm going to hand over to Matt now to explain how that works. Yeah, come, come with purpose. It's, it's great to be joining uh, this conversation and to be spotlighting the Fire Circle, which has quite a unique approach to protecting and restoring nature. Um, because what we're what we're doing is we're elevating the voices of elders from First Nations and diverse cultures so that they can share their deep knowledge and understanding of place, their ecological literacy, and uh, I guess put that out into the world for uh, global uh, emerging leaders, uh, especially we're seeing a lot of young women, um, millennial women that are professionals and, and that are looking to kind of uh, further their own professional development, but with an awareness of those inner conditions that also make that out of work possible. So uh, yeah, it's an exciting initiative. We'll talk more about it, but essentially it, it, it emerged during COVID-19 lockdown. And uh, now we have a core team, which is made up of myself, uh, Nora Silva, who is uh, joining us in this conversation, Shruti Vijaya Kumar, who is based in Aotearoa, New Zealand, she has Southern Indian heritage. Um, we also have Lorna Davis, who's based in New York uh, and has uh, grown up in South Africa. And then, of course, uh, Japri Moninkirich, who is a Yolnu elder from Northeast Arnhem Land. And as a, a group of five with an extended network of, of elders from different countries around the world, we help create these culturally safe spaces to, to share the knowledge and wisdom and to really empower um, these emerging global business leaders. Awesome, thanks so much, Ben. That was a really enticing intro to the Fire Circle. Um, I'd like now to hand to Nora, just to introduce your, yourself. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today, Nora. Thank you so much, guys, for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here, just shedding some light on the work we do at the Fire Circle and how this is contributing to some of the air shots of the air shot prize. Um, but before that, I would like to acknowledge the Gimui Wulubari Jiri people, past, present and emerging, who are the traditional custodians of Cairns, where I'm sitting right now. Um, 
And yeah, I started working with the fire circle about one year ago by Matt's invitation. And uh, I just couldn't say no. I felt very aligned with the studies I did and the work I was envisioning doing. And, but for context, my studies are in sustainable tourism. I come from Mexico and I worked not only in tourism, but in many industries for public sector, private sector. And my last job was actually for a mining company. <laughs> and this is where you might um, realize that for me, things went a bit wrong. Like I realized that things were not going well for the environment and for people. So I was having this sense that I was missing a piece. Um, so it's at this point where I decided I want to know what's out there. I want to study more. And so that took, took me here to Australia to do my master's degree. And it's here when I found out about regenerative development. Um, and I actually realized, wow, so there's a way that we can actually be and do in the world in a way that is more holistic. And so I finished my master's degree and I was of course looking to connect with people and to see what I was gonna do with all this new information. And this is where Matt comes into, into the game for me. We connected via LinkedIn. And shortly after he invited me to collaborate in a project that we were cooking at that time. And after that, um, he invited me to the fire circle. And well, it's been, one year Matt I was thinking about that this month and it's been incredible I feel we're growing some shoots and just creating that space and neutral ground for western eastern and indigenous views to merge and learn from from each other. Nora that is such a cool story and it sounds like you found um or maybe I was going to say you found your way to the fire circle but maybe the fire circle found its way to you. Um, in a really organic way. I think that's such a um, brilliant and authentic story. And I'd love to, um, in a moment, explore a little bit more about, you know, how your personal journey um, is continuing through the fire circle as well. But before we do, I'd love to um, rewind a little bit and just hear maybe from Matt how the fire circle came to be. Yeah, well, I guess during lockdown here in Melbourne, I found myself where I am now in my, my home or home office on Boomerang Country, which is uh, just to the southeast of Melbourne and uh, on the traditional country of the Moyon Baluk uh, clan. And uh, I guess I found myself going out to Nam, Port Phillip Bay, and taking these, these walks, reconnecting with, with place and it was one of those things where every, all of our lives became more localized, but they also became more global uh, simultaneously. And an example of that was sitting inside, you know, a, a B Corp uh, event, and it was a different B Corp event online than the one that we met in Claire, but it was a, a B Corp month event. And uh, we, you know, the guest speaker there was Lorna Davis, Global B Corp ambassador, uh, former CEO of Danone North America, credible lady, you know, um, just, uh, I guess, has this amazing power to just cut through and call things as they are. And 
one of the, one of the phrases or that we kind of banter around as a group is call it, calling ourselves pilgrims because we feel like we're you know we're on a path where we're, we're searching we're learning together and so it's just awesome to have found that intersection with Lorna and there was this moment at the end of of the event where there was you know it was a call for like one last question and, I, and so I, I I put a hand up in the chat and and then I kind of put Lorna on the spot and I said Lorna how how important is it that once businesses have their B Corp accreditation and their SDG alignment, how important is it to then go beyond sustainability? And I had to clarify what I meant by that um, and to say that, you know, as in this podcast, you know, it means going beyond doing less harm and creating those net benefits and shifting, shifting our worldview essentially. And initially the way she described it, she kind of gave a bit of a pat answer and she tried to say things like oh you know we should meet people where they are and then as she was talking um she just paused and I think inside her mind as she says it's like she just she didn't have anything she couldn't come up with a really good reason as to why and so she said let's pick up this conversation so I jumped on LinkedIn straight straight away and sent her a message within a week I think it was we organized a a catch-up and in that I talked about my own experience of studying sustainability at Melbourne Uni, traditional education institution, and getting to this point where we're like, okay, you guys are going to do a project on a sustainable design technology. And all of my friends are going down this Western path. They're like, oh, let's, you know, let's do solar panels. Let's do water sensitive urban design and bioremediation. I'm like, oh, I just don't know. Like it sounds... Um, sounds like we're looking for a technical solution but I'm not sure it's all a technical solution and so I ended up choosing First Nations or Indigenous songlines as my technology and I thought well you know what First Nations people in Australia have been moving around this country and passing on knowledge through this practice of of walking and seeing country then there's got to be something in it right like what is it and so that um that sent me on a, off on a journey. And, and one of the places that I, I, uh, I came across was Arnhem Land and the Gama Festival, which was Australia's largest indigenous cultural festival. And in t- 2008, I, I went there, 2017, I went back and sitting around a fire circle there in person, I met uh, Japri and later she adopted me as her son. Um, so I call her Amala, she's, she's my mum. And uh, so then I introduced Lorna to Japari and then that started this whole two of these two women from different worlds meeting together, very powerful women, different cultural perspectives. Then Truthy came into the mix through Lorna's invitation and then we had this rolling conversation bringing fire circles together of different leaders from around the world just through our shared networks and then Lorna, sorry, Nora came into the mix and so it's been this rolling exploration of how to do business education differently and uh, now here we are it is such a cool story um i think that that idea of um people coming from this western sort of mindset when it comes to addressing challenges in the world is something that's so common and i think back to my um my own studies when i was studying natural resources engineering thinking that um, you know, when I started uni, what, like over a decade ago, thinking that I'd go in and, and find the right technology that society needed to, you know, solve climate change and stop pollution and restore the planet and all that kind of stuff. 
and then you realize that we can have all the knowledge and um you know technical solutions in the world but if we don't have um that sort of deeper understanding of how it all works and how it fits in with society um then you're not going to get very far so i think that's such a cool journey to have been on and it sounds like the fire circle has been a really exciting result to come out of that journey um Nora I'd love to jump back to you I, I said before that I'd um, sort of circle back and ask you about how the fire circle is supporting your own journey as you sort of progress through the world of regeneration and I just, I just love to hear you know your, your story there oh absolutely thank you for that Claire more than I could think of because as I mentioned it started at uni well and my master's degree but then it was such my interest on learning more that I actually made my way up to East Arnhem Land where Elder Dejapuri is from um, without even knowing that it was going to be one of the most beautiful experiences of my life because I thought I was just going there for work and for a change of scenery <laughs> But actually, um, yeah, they, they welcomed me. This community welcomed me and showed me their ways, shared with me their culture, their beautiful landscapes, and everything that comes with culture, responsibilities, uh, as they say, to be in right relationship. Um, for them, there's not such a thing as a friend. You're part of the family. And the fact that they kind of adopted me and showed me the ways, it just opened up my world in a way that I, I could never imagine. I mean, I'm coming from Mexico, which is also culturally rich, but I feel I was feeling ashamed that I don't even know about my old ancestry. And here they are, these beautiful people showing me that how, how important is to... Um, to feel you belong. You belong to our community. Your ancestry will always be part of you. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, well, Matt knew that I was up there. And just right after that is when he actually invited me. And after that, well, it's been just an explosion of, of, of knowledge and more and more, um, yeah more more ways of, for me to just expand the work we do because it's not only now well um aboriginals australians first nations but also elders from um from the west from the east and now with this riches richness of knowledge um i have no other way to be in the world but to share it not to share it. And I feel that the work we do in the fire circle through Wu and Away, for example, which is our signature course, is just about that. It's about mixing all these um, views of the world in a way that um, you can understand systems, not only problems in an isolated way, but then you have a vision of the interrelationships of things, of systems, and this is how the First Nations people talk about the world. We're all in relationship. There's not such a thing as the animal world and, and humans. Um, looks, looks to us that sometimes it is like that, but we are part of this beautiful world. So that for me, it's been the part that I am really grateful for to be part of this team. Um, I keep growing. 
uh, I feel like I'm supported and as as same way I'm supported, I would like to support the people that come through our fire circles, through our woo ways. So it's just about that. As First Nations people tell us, it's about passing on the culture, passing on the wisdom. So that's exactly what we want to do. And yeah, this is our way of contributing to a better earth, to a new earth. So yeah. Oh, that's so cool, Nora. Um, I think one, one question that flows on from that for me is um, maybe a bit of a, we say we have unapologetically bold conversations on this podcast and um, maybe a question that some of our listeners might have um, is, you know, coming from this, I suppose, quite Western perspective where we can solve all, all, all of the world's problems if only we have the right technology and, you know, that can sort of lead us to try and jump straight to the solutions. Um, taking this approach of, you know, deep cultural understanding and, you know, as you said, neural wisdom can feel a little bit more difficult than just jumping straight to the solution and, you know, finding a solar panel to put on the house or, you know, getting an electric vehicle or doing something that might be, might seem like a quick win or a really easy way to become more sustainable. Um, and so for the listeners who might be thinking those things, how does the woven, I'm sorry, how, how, how does the fire circle um, contribute to this earth shot of protecting and restoring nature when we compare it to those sort of maybe easier seeming sustainability methods? Matt, you might want to jump in and answer this one. Well, I guess, you know, in order to protect and, and restore nature, to care for nature, to care for country, we've got to understand what nature is. And when we position ourselves as part of nature it makes it so much easier to become part of uh, the the positive action of of care rather than as a separate force because once you become part of it then there's that responsibility piece but it's also that ability to impact and influence and it takes us out of this relationship and this idea that we've inherited from deep cultural roots and and to be honest in an unapologetically bold sense from intergenerational trauma that we've inherited not from our immediate ancestors but literally over over centuries and so we've inherited a worldview where we see ourselves as separate now that's a pretty powerless place because what it does is it sets humans up as a negative force that we're by nature, we're going to harm the world. Now, what the elders basically do is put a mirror up to each person that comes towards a fire circle so that you look back at yourself and your own ancestry and path. And in some ways, that's harder, is that it's not a sustainability technology you can pull off the shelf. It's not a solar panel. It's not water-sensitive urban design, it's not a donut economics model, it's not a five capitals model even that we use at Regeneration Projects. But it's also easier because it positions you as the actor of change. And so then the invitation becomes from the elders. And I was challenged by one of the elders 
Um, this was this was an elder from um, the Iroquois peoples uh, north of, of New York, up around Montreal. And she said, now, Matt, I expect you to find out how you who your ancestors were, because their belief is that our ancestors, if you go back to a point, you will see that our ancestors had a deeper connection to land, waterways, skies, and, and a certain lifestyle and a certain economy, certain system of trade and business attached to that. So what they're saying is, look in the mirror, then walk backwards, because there's clues there in your own story. And then what it creates is this situation where you're like, oh, okay, so for me, it, that that prompted a, a search, like for me, so I'm like, oh, okay, what do, you, what do you do? Well, you know, you look back through your family tree and you see where you're connected to, you look at your surname, you see where that connects you to, um, you look at um, you know, if, if you want to go down the path of DNA, you can you can do that. But there's three places that are really clearly tangible in my map. So um, Yorkshire, and in particular um, around Huddersfield in North Yorkshire, the traditional lands of the Brigantes people in the who were the Celtic pre-Roman British clan or tribe. Um, then the Zillertal Valley in Austria, and also in in Norway, which is probably a Viking influence. So if I go back to the paths of my ancestors, I see at least a glimpse that they were closer to the way that they, they lived to their lands and their waterways. So, you know, they were farmers or they were, they were trading different things. And so then I step forward and I say, okay, so what happened? Well, then the, there was the Roman in, invasion. And so there was dislocation of the British peoples and the Celtic tribe. And then the ripple effects of that, that some say is what, influence the wave of colonization across you know the broader world and so essentially the british exported what was what was imposed on them which is a pretty interesting you know pill to try and swallow because uh, it puts it on the other on the other foot um if i look in the case of my austrian heritage you see that there was religious persecution during the reformation where they were told to either change their religion or or leave Vikings, well, and I don't know as much about that, but you can see the transients and you can certainly see, you know, um, uh, different histories of trade. And uh, But you can also go back to their core, core values and the way that they related to nature as well. So the elders, in pointing out that mirror, it says, okay, go for that tool off the shelf if you want. Go for that sustainability technology if you want but it won't really sort you out because it's only going to sort you out on the surface. But if you go deeper, then you can say, okay, this is my story. This is where I come from. These were my peoples. These are some of their beliefs. Now, where I am now, how does that enable me to understand that relationship that I have with water, with land, and with the Boomerang people and the Boomerang people who are the traditional custodians of this place? So, then it sets up a conversation about, okay, where have we been? How do we use this traditional knowledge from our, from our own paths, but we combine it with new technology? And then, then you end up with a different place uh, of collaboration and doing business. I think that's very wise, Matt. And that reminds me of a conversation that's happening um, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, about Matauranga Māori, which is Māori knowledge and um, how that sits alongside Western science. And I think um, one thing that's really stood out to me, there are a lot of really fascinating aspects of that conversation. 
And one part that's really stood out to me is that those two things can coexist and complement one another. And something really fantastic that Matauranga Māori gives to um, New Zealand, Aotearoa, is the ability to look at um, challenges and opportunities differently and to change the way that we make decisions. And, um, you know, Western science can come into it by providing the technology that can really help to solve some of those challenges and opportunities. Um, but, you know, Matauranga Māori, when we um, implement that in a really effective way, it gives us the tools we need to make good decisions that actually lead to the outcomes we want. So I think that's such a cool example, Matt. Um, and also really reflective, um, you know, when you think about, it's making me think about my own heritage and how much I don't know about that. And I'm sure it's the same for our listeners too. Um, one aspect of the fire circle that we haven't touched on yet is the Woven Way program. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. And again, Matt, this might be a question for you. Yeah, well, I can chip in and then Nora might contribute some perspective as well because she had the opportunity to, to go through, um, I think, one of our first, if not our first um, program. And uh, I guess what we saw, what happened was at the end of 2020, we started with just a couple of fire circles and mindful of different time zones, we created this space and we had like a, like, now we, we have circles where there's generally one elder, but in this we had like five, six, um, seven elders in, in one conversation. So it was like literally you were standing in a waterfall of, of knowledge and wisdom. It was, it was quite surreal. But what we did then for roughly a year was to then say, okay, let's, have, let's try to convene monthly fire circle gatherings online and, and to bring in these different cultural perspectives. So we have... Um, Japari up in Arnhem Land. We have Nawi uh, Carolyn down here in, in uh, Melbourne. Uh, we've got Auntie Anita uh, across in Latin America. Uh, we've also got uh, Mac in the UK, Patho, sir, who is based in Chandigarh in India. Um, we've got Louise and, and uh, Auntie Donna in Aotearoa. And so you've got all of these different perspectives. And so we kind of had these different themed events, but what was clear is that after a couple of hours in these sessions, people wanted to go deeper. And so we did workshops, but it was like, no, we want to go deeper. And so then this eight-week program called The Woven Way was really crafted in particular by Shruti and, and Lorna. Um, and, and so the model is basically to, to step in and over eight weeks be introduced, introduced to the wisdom of roughly three elders um, and... Uh, to bring a project or a, a business idea into that space and let it grow. So there's the inner personal development, like what we've been talking about, but then there's also the application to, of that to specific projects. So, you know, um, people that might be working in social, social enterprises and social justice issues or people that are, um, uh, you know, using NFTs in innovative uh, ways, you know, all kinds of things, but looking for that grounding. And that's what the Woven Way has, has given them. And then they spin out and they're able to continue to lead their projects, but from a different place. So maybe, Nora, you, you can share what, what your experience was and, and just any insights um, that, that you think people get out of that experience, what makes it different. Absolutely. For me, Woven Way 
is literally about learning how to work in partnership with us. And by that, I mean, you have the perspectives of Western, of all, all, all the world's Eastern and indigenous peoples. And when the elders lead the conversations where, with their immense wisdom, that makes you feel so grounded. Why they take you into not only, let's talk about sustainability, let's talk about social issues. No, we need to go out there almost into the universe to understand where we come from. And even to ask fundamental questions about who we are, what's our role as humanity, you know? What's the role, why, um, why is that we cannot see, we're seeing each other as separate from nature? So when you have a sense of uh, the possible answers to these questions, you start to feel more grounded in yourself. And that's that, that inner, inner strength, that inner understanding is what makes you come into the world with a better understanding of systems of with a holistic view. So then you can implement that into your life, professional life, into the actions you take into the world which is completely the opposite of what we're doing now. Now we just look for the solutions without even, even knowing the interrelationships of, of things and how the, the universe and the system work. So I think we, um, we're missing a, a big piece in there and that's why the wooden way was so relevant and up until today, it still be very relevant for me. I keep asking myself um, these bigger questions and how can I support earth and social issues from, from who I am, from these groundness? And um, yeah, and we also see the other part, which is okay, then how, how do we translate this wisdom into action? And for everyone, of course, it's different. You know, we have individual skills, um, unique gifts, uh, but yeah, coupled with that groundness, uh, groundness I think is how, um, things, uh, we can look at the future with, with, with uh, better eyes, with, we can see a bright future with this groundness and not with, you know, seeing the world in, in isolation. So that's what it was for me. And I totally recommend everyone out there looking to, to learn more, to get more, more skills. Look at uh, education providers that are offering a holistic view of things. Uh, challenge yourself to not only go to the Western view, which has been the predominant, which is also very important, but also challenge yourself to go and listen what else is out there. And I'm pretty sure this, was, this will um, make you see more solutions rather than only problems. That's my, that's my um, takeaway from that. Oh, that's very cool, Nora. And I think, um... You know, while I was still wearing my, um, I don't want to say cynical hat, but, you know, sort of um, asking that question before around, well, how can thinking this way be practical when you compare it to that sort of traditional Western technical solution focused way of looking at the world? I think Matt and Nora, you've both um, explained it really well, and I can kind of see things coming together in my own mind, and I'm wondering if our listeners are feeling the same thing, where you've explained this ability to... Um, understand you know yourself in the context of history and in the world and our earth and one another as well and understand that the system that we 
operate in is so complex and everything is so interconnected and and that's okay um, and then at the same time it has been really cool to hear the two of you talk about how the fire circle and the woven way has um, also provided really practical ways of applying that way of thinking to particular um, you know businesses or particular challenges or opportunities and so it's really awesome I think to see those two ends of the spectrum coming together. We've only got a few minutes left um, on our podcast today and um, to wrap us up uh, I'd love to leave our listeners with a couple of practical actions that they can take to contribute to a regenerative world. So um, Nora I might stick with you for this one. What practical steps do you think our listeners can take to support the ecological literacy of the organization that they're a part of? Sure. Well, the first one I already mentioned, look at if you're looking to uh, upgrade your skills, look for education provider with a more holistic approach. That's number one. Um, number two, I will say inform yourself about the challenges in your own community and your own ecosystem and get involved and start there um, because it's easier to engage in local causes because you develop a sense of belonging. And you will want to do more good for the place that you love and you live in. So it's easier to have a, that understanding of your local place rather than looking at what's happening on the other side of the world because it, it, it can get overwhelming. So that's, that's, um, that's a practical thing to do, I believe. <laughs> and one of the most important ones that I believe is don't forget to work on yourself might be um, not a popular opinion, in, <laughs> but for me it is because understanding who we are and the patterns of thought that makes us act in a certain way is fundamental for the re regeneration of earth. Because as Elbel Partho says, we change the world by who we are, not by what we do. So I will leave it there. I was muted. That's a bit embarrassing. Um, I was going to say, Nora, I think that's an awesome quote. <laughs> um, and a strange comical note to end our podcast on. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us uh, and really looking forward um, to um, meeting again at our next episode of Voices of Regen. Matiwa.